0: for Saturday, the 17th of March, 2018. And I'm delighted to reveal that this podcast has reached an all-time high. Uh, A brilliant tweet this week by Emily Burnett, who who tweeted, I really enjoyed this diary podcast, which was last week's diary. It made cleaning the loo much more pleasant. (laughs) So Paul's podcast diary makes cleaning the loo much more pleasant. It's my best testimonial ever. Thank you very much for that, Emily. Actually, I'm laughing at that, but she did go on to say that my drive is inspiring and encouraged Emily to sit down and do another thousand words when previously she thought that she was done for the day. So um, I'm pleased that we created that inspiration, but it did make me laugh, Emily. Thanks very much for tweeting that. Uh, And it's reached an all-time pinnacle for Paul's podcast diary. So (laughs) let's get on with the writing news, and hopefully we can inspire you to write another thousand words like we did, Emily, uh, last week. So uh, I'll tell you what I've been up to this week. Um, I have now done the final read of Phase 6, which I did last weekend. So this has been, it's like the Chuckle Brothers. If you know who the Chuckle Brothers are in the the UK, you know, to me, to you, to me, to you, Uh, it's been passing to and fro between me and uh, my editor, Helen Fazal, and uh, and she um, she does the full editing and I make the changes. She gives a final sweep. I give a final sweep and then it's good to go. So we're as sure as we possibly can be that that book is, you know, as good as it can be by that stage. So all I got to do uh, at some point this weekend, I might actually get it done tonight, uh, depending on how quickly I get some editing done for this podcast. Uh, I got to now push that through vellum. Um So it's very easy in vellum. I always sort of, I don't know why I do this. I think it's just a habit from, from, having done things uh, with other softwares and other systems in the past. But I brace myself to uh, process uh, my books, to put them into Kindle and then to move them into paperback. And with Vellum, I'm done within an hour usually. And it's usually a very pleasant hour as well. There's no messing around. So um, I will probably put that in Vellum tonight or possibly tomorrow, which is Saturday, as I'm recording this. Uh, And then uh, the book goes live on the 23rd of March. What I may do, if I don't run into any immediate issues, is I may list the paperback this time within the KDP dashboard. Now, all my previous paperbacks have been done through CreateSpace. Um, I tried to do it last time, ran into a problem, and then as a result of this diary, somebody said, oh, no, it's fine, it does what you think it does. I think you've just got to get used to the interface. So I'm going to try and list phase six as a paperback in the new interface because I think that means that I should be able to get a proof copy of it really quickly from the UK rather than having to do it from the states but I'll I'll tell you about that um, if and when I succeed with it but hopefully it'll be pretty straightforward but it'll be the first time for me that I've done that so phase six goes live next week uh, this weekend uh, I've literally in the last um, sort of 10 minutes I think yeah 10 minutes I've been reading through who to trust so who to trust uh, has I've written it I've read it, I've made my wife's changes to it. And if you remember, Who to Trust is my latest thriller. It's not quite right. The ending's not quite right. So what I I parked it for a little while while I was finishing off phase six and I'm back to it now. So I've got three days. Today's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then I have to send it, well, Helen Fizal is expecting it on the 19th, Monday, the 19th of March. And then it gets published on the 31st of May. So as you know, I've had some troubles with it. And the way the book is structured, it's only the first part of the second part, not even the chapter, just a part of a chapter that I have to get sorted. And um, my wife raised some issues with it. And I I knew it wasn't right. I just said to her, look, I, I need to write the thing. I have to write it out. And then I'll I'll figure out the problems later. So what I'm doing today, or what I've just done actually, what I've just finished, is I've read chapters one to five which is half the book today which I've already done remember uh, once already but I've left the first part which I know I need to come back to tomorrow I'm going to read chapters six to ten so the last half of the book but I'm going to leave that very last part now interesting is I've been reading today you know I wasn't happy with the Who Done It bit and actually I figured out how I'm going to change that today as I've been reading it through again I figured out how I'm going to do it uh, because it could have been any number of people, and I don't—I'm just not happy with the way that I chose it. I chose two people, and it doesn't work. So I'm going to do what I was originally going to do. I think, which I think will work much better. So I'll finish my kind of read of chapter six to ten tomorrow, and then on Sunday I'm going to come back to that first part of chapter one and that last part of chapter ten. And I'm—I'm I'm going to—that's my day's work is going to be to sort that out and get that right. It will then get sent to Helen Fazal. Now, remember, we're not committed yet. I mean, I, I've, clearly I've got that first deadline. I have to get it in for Helen to do an edit on. But if I if I had to, so I'm, I'm actually really happy with everything around that. I'm so happy with this book. Um, everything around those parts that I'm not happy with, I'm just, it's. I'm really happy with it. I've been reading it again today. I think, yeah, I, really, I just love, love the way this all plays out. Um, it's just those little bits that I've got to get sorted out. So if I have to, I'll work on it all weekend when it comes back from Helen Vazal to get it even more right. If I can't get it quite right this weekend, but I, I have a feeling I'm there now. I think by the time it goes to Helen at the end of Sunday, when I've rewritten those bits and and kind of just reframed it, I, th- I think it'll be I think it'll be okay. But if it isn't, still remember I've got well. It's, when does it go out? Thirty first of May. I've got the rest of March. I've got April and I've got May to sort that out before I'm committed. In in print, so to speak, but before I have to publish it, and also remember that as self publishers, even if I released it on May the thirty first and suddenly changed my mind and had inspiration as a self publisher, I just nip back in there and change it if I have to. That's just, you know that's how it is. That's how it works with self publishing. I used to build a Facebook software. In software, you call it iterations. You you launch a, an MVP, a minimal minimal viable product, which is hard to say, minimum viable product, MVP. And kind of your first release of a book is your MVP, it's your minimum viable product, which means it's a book, it has a cover on it, you've checked it, it's as good as it can be, but it might not be quite right. And then you could go back and you could iterate it at any stage. And you can come back in five years time if you want to, when you're a brilliant writer having learnt the craft and rewrite it again, if you want to. That's the joy of self-publishing. So I'm not beating myself up quite yet about this ending because I've got Sunday to sort it out and then I got another two months to sort it out and if I suddenly have some inspiration if I don't get it on Sunday if I still don't get it on Sunday I'll give Helen the book as it is because it is a book as it is and I'll figure it out over the next two months and then if, if I need to and I, I if I did rewrite those chapters again I, while Helen's got it I would simply submit those to her and say look just ditch those two work on that one and I'll pay you the extra for it so just think of this don't don't we're not we're not carving sculptures. Into stone. One slipper we mess up. Um, once we've done it, we can't change it. We can't we don't have to look at it for years saying, Oh, I just wish I'd chiseled that little bit away. With self-publishing, we can change and pivot whenever we want. And even the big authors, you know, Joanna Penn, for instance, who I think we all listen to. Um, changed her covers several years into her career. You hear people about doing it all the time. Um, The 20 books, the 50K people are great at that. They're constantly iterating. If they get it wrong, they get the covers wrong, they mess it up, they go back and they do it again. I love that about them. It's really good. So um, try and have that attitude to your self-publishing. Uh, because I certainly need it at the moment with this, with this tricky bit of the book. But as I say with the rest of it, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the story. It's really just these tr- little tricky bits, these pivotal moments that I just need to, um, sort out. Uh, I'll get there eventually. I've got a long time still to sort it out. So that's my kind of writing news this week. I'm not writing at the moment, but I am churning in my head all the time. Um, I need to start writing for Project Bloodhound, which I'll give you a big update on in a moment or two because a couple of I had a couple of movements with that this week. Uh, when do I start writing? I, I'm, I'm scheduled to start writing Monday 12th of April, which is just about a month, almost a month. It's a month yesterday, isn't it? Four weeks yesterday. So I've got loads of time and I, I've got plenty of slack in the diary if I need to, to shuffle a few things around. I could actually start a week late if I needed to. Um, but this that brings me on to Crime and Publishment, something that I thought about with, with Project Bloodhound. So Last weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, I was at Crime and Publishment. This is a, um, I think it's run for five or six years. And it's run by a gentleman called Graham Smith, who I know locally um, through corporate trainings. I think that's how we met, through corporate trainings and found he was an author. Um, he's been traditionally published. He's now tr- published through Bloodhound. But he's organized this, this crime writers event for the last five or six years. And, um, Graham runs a hotel uh, near Gretna Green. It's, it's a sort of wedding uh, venue wedding destination and once a year he just he kind of doesn't book any weddings in and he has this crime and publishing event which is fantastic so it's um mainly traditional people it's interesting I did two talks to earn my keep last weekend I did a couple of talks on social media and I asked who is self-publi- uh, self-published and who would consider self-publishing and maybe a third third to a half maybe in that zone who would consider self-publishing? So I wasn't with a, a completely traditional audience, but the the values of that event, I think, are clearly to be traditionally published. That that's um, what has currency, I think, at this particular event. And I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I I it's a great event. I really enjoyed it. I spoke to a couple of Bloodhound publishers. You know, <laughs> you know where I am with Bloodhound. I talked to two people there who've been published with Bloodhound. Talked a lot about it, and you know about the support they get and things like that. So um, that's that's fine by me. Now, here's something really, really interesting. Um, the That event prides itself on, I, th- I think they found six or eight um, traditionally published authors have come from those events. And I was speaking to one of them at uh, the weekend and she revealed to me, and I'm not gonna reveal the name of the author and I'm not gonna reveal the name of the publisher either, but I am gonna tell you the numbers. She revealed to me that she'd been traditionally published for two years and then in the first year of being traditionally published, her royalties were £10. And in the second year of being published, her royalties were £3. And she also told me some other things. Now, again, I'm not going to go into detail about who and what and where and all of that, but I was stunned by those numbers because at the moment I consider myself to be, uh, failing's not the right word, not, not succeeding in the way I wish to succeed as an author, and I earn more than that every day at the moment since I did the book bub. And that's two years worth of traditional income. Yet the currency is that this author was traditionally published. And so was therefore um, you know, it was a big deal to have been traditionally published. Now, I gotta tell you, if that's traditional publishing, I'm not interested. <laughs> okay, not at that level, I'm not. And and I hope you're not too, because we could do so much better than that. I said to this author, look, if you just self-publish that. And, and frankly put a reasonable cover on it and just left it there, I'm pretty sure you're going to make more than 13 quid over two years, even if your family and friends only buy the thing. Um, you know, just your immediate circle of people who want to support you. You've got to try really hard to make as little as 13 pounds a year as a self-published author. I, You know, I really hope, I I, I think that's fair, because I think, you know, even, even before... I had my book bub and i'm still not you know book bubs declined now i'm still not earning um, um a fortune every month now we're kind of returning back to where we were with the levels i was still able to earn just not knowing very much and not having very b- many books out and just doing the kind of things that are uh, that we all know how to do because we're all connected with 20 books to 50k or the Alliance of Independent Authors, you know, we've all got access to these free sources of information who will tell us about Insta Freebie and, um, Amazon promos, which you could do at no cost, you know, no expense. Just doing those basic, basic, basic things. You would have to try really hard to make less than £13 over two years, I think. Okay. So I was stunned at that. And it still amazes me that people would rather be traditionally published with those earnings than self-published and earning far more than that now I I, again I I very foolishly responded to a comment from somebody I know on Twitter today and um a a self-published author but not in the way that that we self-publish more what I call self-publishing version one which is where you get 500 books um printed and you put them in your garage the the, the earlier version of self-publishing and um and there's a little sort of to and fro there. And I'm so out of kilter when I see these conversations, when authors are saying, you know, I don't do it for the money. I do it to get read. All right. But let me be very clear about this. I do it for the money and to get read. Okay. It's not a hobby. A hobby is where you do something, uh, you pay out money and you just lose that money. That's a hobby. Okay. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I'm in business and a business makes profit. Um, that's what I'm running here, okay? Now, clearly, I want my books. I want my books to be out there. I want them to be read. I want people to write great reviews on them. And of course, I would love a traditional publisher to come to me and say, that's fantastic, Paul. We can sell these by the bucket load. You know, here's a lot of money to do that. Okay, but but it's a business. And now, if you're in the very privileged position to be able to spend all that time and effort writing books and not care that it brings any money in, so it truly is a hobby. Well, well, that's fine, but I think that most people listening to this podcast, I want readers, of course I do, uh, but I also want to be in profit um, because this isn't a hobby, this is a business. Um, so again, I you know I, I I find this amazing. I wonder I wonder whether it's the expectation that's you know set up by the traditional industry that somehow we should all be tortured souls agonising over our our latest manuscript and, and earning no money and living in poverty. I, I don't think we have to be that. I think that we can be, we can have all the tortured soul stuff and all the agonies of writing and all that sort of nonsense. But I just see it as a business. We turn up to work, we do the work, we do the blooming writing, we get the words done, we publish it. And, and, and like a business, we hope that we'll make money, that we'll find customers, and we'll be in profit. And happy readers are happy customers, as far as I'm concerned, just the same as any other business. Now, that's a little bit of a rant, but it just never ceases to amaze me that I go to a couple of things. I went to the Festival of Rising in York, which, again, is traditionally biased. And I have absolutely no problem with that, because, you know, if somebody came and offered of me, I have no shame about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this business to make money so I don't have to go into work, so I can travel abroad, I can right away travel abroad and make money as I move around. That's, my, that's what I want. That's what I'm aiming for. If I could do that, fantastic. If I could do it and make a lot of money, even better. Um, but that's my, that's my dream scenario. That's what I want. Um, you know, I can't do it till the kids leave home, but it's my aspiration to do it as soon as possible when the kids uh, are off leading their own lives. Um, And I make no bones about that. That's why I'm doing this. And writing is perfect for that because writing and podcasts are perfect. I can do it on the move. All I need is a laptop. I don't need an office or anything like that. Uh, But that's what my uh, aspiration is. But I I keep meeting people at these uh, traditional events and and they're happy. Um, It's almost like an abusive relationship. I wouldn't accept that. £13 in two years, you could make more doing a shift at McDonald's. So, you know, don't underprice yourself. you deserve to be paid for the effort that you put in. Never forget that. And and don't accept 13 pounds over two years. You could do far, far better than that in your writing career, wherever you are in it. Anyhow, sorry, that was a bit of a rant. I hadn't expected that. Um, but let, let me just talk about uh, crime and publishing. If you are writing thrillers of crime, this is a great event. And if you are in the north of England, again, we don't get many events in our part of the world. So it's well worth traveling to Gretna for. I've really enjoyed it. But we had some brilliant sessions um, and they've really helped me. And they've also really helped me with what I'm doing for Project Bloodhound. So I'm so pleased I, I went to, to the event. Um, we had ca- sessions on characterizations, on thriller and crime writing tropes, uh, and, and how to develop a great pitch. And we had a lady called Karen Sullivan from Arenda book. Books, and she published a couple of the authors who were there and um, I think she's Canadian and when she started doing her talk I was all oh, blimey she's one of these kind of no-nonsense you know publishers but actually she was she was brilliant uh, and extremely helpful and what I left uh, from Karen's presentation was that when I do my Project Bloodhound book almost before I've got the story I need to have my 20-word pitch if I can't make that book sound fantastic and that you've got to read it in 20 words I've almost got to start with that before I even have a plot structure and um, that's really what I left with that if you've got 20 words the kind of elevator pitch that they talk about if I haven't got 20 words before I even draw breath and start writing with a very compelling prospect for my story then I'm not going to write that that's what I left with you know because really you've almost got to start with that because that's what's going to sell the book to an agent or to an audience. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on the next couple of weeks when I try and tie down which story idea I'm going to use. It's a really great event. It's such a I mean, it's a wedding venue for goodness sake. You know, how, how much better a venue could you get for a weekend? There's a bar there. The food was brilliant. Um, you know, lovely group of people all interested in the same thing. Brilliant presentations. Uh, a price that doesn't make me bulk at all. As you know, I've been to events in London that cost several hundred pounds. I can't remember what this cost because uh, I had a kind of deal on because I was I was a, I was a talker there. So I, I kind of said, look, I won't charge a fee and then I'll come for free. So I can't remember what the fee was, but it's not a lot. You know, it's a hundred and something with accommodation included. It's it's a really good deal. So, so do check that out um, if you're in that zone, uh, but it's Crime and Publishment. Just do a hunt for them on Facebook and it'll pop up uh, in your feed. So that was last weekend's event. Um, this week, during the week, I, I interviewed John Cronshaw, who's appearing on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And John, when he was talking to me, mentioned a promotion service called Book Barbarian. Now, how long have I been doing this? Since 2014, I've been properly immersed in all the learning since 2015. And I'd never heard of Book Barbarian but John said that he, he's used Book Barbarian and it's worked really well for him and that they are a science fiction promoter. And the thing that really attracted me about Book Barbarian was what John said is that they do what's a double promo. That you'll have heard me say that with my book bub and with my free booksies, I, I do a one-two punch, as I, as I call it. I need to come up with a, a much sexier name for that, but it's a kind of one-two. Is it a jab, they call it? I don't do macho stuff like that, but I think it's a, is it a jab, one-two jab, something like that, whatever. Um... Maybe a real man can ring in and tell me <laughs> what that is. I'm sure it's got a proper, but it's a one-two. You know, it's um, whatever it is. And what they do is they they um, they do the promo. So you have a free book on a promo, and then they have a second promo. So the second book is 99 pence or cents. And you know that I like that in BookBub and Free Booksy. It's my kind of tip for success. Not that I've had much success, but it's my, my tip for squeezing squeezing the best out of a promo which is that you have the main promo and then the day after you maybe have a couple of cheaper promos and I've found in my experience that could often get you to the number one slots it can just give you that extra push that you need but it seems to be best if it comes the day after the, the big promo that you have it just seems to I know somebody who's more technical than me will get excited about algorithms and all this sort of nonsense but it seems to work in very simple terms so I was really interested in book Barbarian. so I've got phase six coming out on the 23rd of March. I thought, right, Paul, John's just told you a great science fiction promo site. You were saying in your diary last week that you need to get your butt into gear and do some proper promotion because you should be able to earn a proper living from this now. Um, And so I put those two things together and put it into action. So um, I have booked a Book Barbarian promo and... I've put phase six on for free because that's my brand new book. That will be free for a week. And I've put the grid one, I'm going to put that on a 99P promo. So I've booked one of these double Book Barbarian promos um, to enable me to do that. And I've also put um, a free booksy on the day after. So I'm going to use Book Barbarian as my lead. Then I'm putting phase six, which is my free book, remember? My brand new free book. I'm good to put that in a free book seat the day after. Now, um, I think I've got my prices wrong on here. I'm sure I have, yeah. So I think the prices of that, I've got them the wrong way around on my little note sheet here. So the price of that is um, $75 and $85. So what's that, $160? $160? Yeah, I think so, $160 for two promos. Um, now, I know that the free book will be good, John assures me that the um, that the book Barbarian works too. So what that will do is that's going to drive free traffic to my brand new book because no one's read it yet. I need to get some reviews over it and some action. In that book, there will be promos to my now six other science fiction books, two box sets. So they will be very heavily promoted in phase six to try and get some read through traffic. Uh, but I, I, that, I hope that that will establish phase six. Now, phase six as a standalone is becoming my main marketing conduit to my two free, to, to my two box sets, the grid and the secret bunker. And the book, the, the phase six book that I've written, the standalone feeds into both of those trilogies now. So it's not a standalone. It's a standalone in terms of story, but, um, characters in phase six are in, my first trilogy, which is the Secret Bunker trilogy, um, and you find out actually where the, the plague comes from in the Secret Bunker trilogy, and then in, in the grid, um, the world that's just emerging in Phase Six is—you um, you see that world in a, in a couple of hundred years in the grid, what it's become—and um, certain elements of Phase Six go into the grid. So I've intentionally written that book as a as a promo conduit. So that's going uh, on the, uh, when is it going? When have I scheduled it for? Sometime in April. And when I did that promo, I got a kind of upsell at the end of it where apparently the people who do Book Barbarian also do um, thriller and crime promos. So hooray, I thought when I saw this, they do a service called Book Adrenaline, which does exactly the same thing. You could do the one-two punch thing. So um, I've now also scheduled Dead of Night, as the free book, now interestingly, the, the the free book, um, you know, it's got it's got reviews on it. Dead of night, and then I'm going to then as the ninety nine pence book have one fatal error. Now, one fatal error I published a while ago. I've done absolutely nothing to promote it. It just flopped out there, and I just haven't really had the headspace to do anything with it. That's entirely my fault. But I haven't done anything with one fatal error yet. So I'm going to do that as a combo. Dead of night of free through book barbarian uh with one fatal error is the 99p book and then i've also got a free book see the day after to push to dead of night now i think dead of night is going to be my lead thriller i think so and then so my lead thriller will then encourage people to read the next box set which we made up of three thriller standalones one fatal error who to trust, which is what I'm just finishing off now, eventually, and Burden of Guilt. That's going to be my kind of sales. But I, I what I want to do is I just want to test my standalone thrillers to see which is the one that sells best, because the one that sells best and kind of gets the easiest and best reviews, that's going to be my lead book. It's going to be my thriller equivalent of what Phase Six is, which is a book that hooks people and then hopefully steers them efficiently into either my other three standalones, stroke box set of those standalones or into the don't Del, tell meg trilogy and maybe the box set of that trilogy and this is my cunning plan um so because uh, th- that looks like it must be a less established service for the people who do book barbarian because it's cost me 30 dollars for the book adrenaline promo and it's cost me $70 for the free Booksy promo. I know the free Booksy promo will go well because I've done both science fiction and crime promos with free Booksy. So um, I know that all sounds quite complicated, but they're both gonna be in April, those promos. And um I did say to you last week, I need to do more promotion. I need to be on top of this. I need to have a rolling program of promotion. I need to get my Amazon ads sorted with my fiction books. I need to move my butt, is what I need to do. And get this promotion done and start flogging all these books I've been working hard to write. So you are going to hear much more of this of me, um, you know, promoting and, and trying to really pull this together now and try try to start squeezing some money out. Um, also, we're getting near April and I know that I'm going to be able to resubmit my. Don't tell Meg, uh, book to bookbub very soon. I've got to admit, I'm really nervous about it because, um, as I, as I knew and predicted would happen, the bookbub sales are beginning to decay now. So I think we did something like a thousand, was it a, th- I can't remember the numbers, but roughly a thousand, um, pounds, I think. No, it was 750 pounds, thousand dollars, 750 pounds in October. It was f- 4,000 pounds in November of 2017 it was one and a half thousand pounds in December I think it was a thousand pounds in January I think it's about five six hundred pounds in February and it's good to be about four hundred pounds this month I think I can only estimate by by what's come in so far so the book is decaying even though it's bringing in more money than I had kind of coming in in before and remember I haven't done any kind of promos this is just this is the residual effect of having had that book bub. So we're about right. Um, if I could, if I can get another book bub now, we're just going to be able to f- fuel that, uh, beautifully. But I got to tell you, I'm almost nervous to apply because as you'll know, if you've applied for a book bub, you send this application off, you keep your fingers crossed and normally you just get a no thank you, a dear John letter. And I'm almost nervous to, to resubmit. Don't tell me because I know that, um, You know, I just know from everybody else's experiences that I'm no more likely to get a book bub as I was the first time I sent it in. And if they say no to a book bub, I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) Of course I am. Because if I get a book bub, even if I squeeze out half of what I've made since the first book bub, you know, if everybody's sort of seen it and they're bored with it, even if I squeeze out half what I did, that's still going to be great income. So uh, I'm almost nervous to submit it to be honest with you and I'm also jittery because I've got these new I'm going to put new covers on them I've got Stuart Baish booked in for April and actually I need to move my butt on this I need to give him I need to give him his brief to start doing that but I've got these three new covers and I'm trying to decide do I promote it with the new covers and risk it not converting as well or do I keep the covers on that converted well last time and, and hope to make the same kind of amount of money as I did the first time I got a book bub. That's if I even get a blooming book bub. Um, or if I put the Stuart Beish covers on and then promote it, and if I get the book bub, I'm overthinking it, aren't I? See, this is this is how we kill ourselves with procrastination. What I actually do, these are the things that are soaring around in my head, all right. but what I will actually do is I'll move my butt, Again, this is really what it all involves, isn't it? I'll make a decision and I'll get on with it and I'll keep my fingers crossed that I get a promo. And if I don't, I'll find something else or I'll submit something else. Uh, and this is what we have to do, isn't it? We just have to keep going for it. So at some point, uh, to be honest with you, I'll probably be impatient. I'll tell you what I think I'll do. I think I'll probably stick with a tried and tested formula. The minute I can submit to BookBub, I think I'll probably submit, keep my fingers crossed and just hope that I get the same thing with the same covers. And then um if I do get a BookBub, I'll try it um next time with the new covers that's that's probably what I'll do so there you go I think I've made the decision live well not live but live recording on the podcast diary okay so oh, I will tell you something actually um I two two things about the promos this week I got a little ticking off from Freebooksy because when you when you submit to Freebooksy, it says, don't cut and paste your Amazon text. And I think, well, hang on, why wouldn't I cut and paste my Amazon text? Because hopefully I've worked on that and optimized that. And that's about as good as I can do. And it's too much of a strain to have to write it again. And I got two emails back saying, we've accepted your promos, but you've got to rewrite your text. So I got a little ticking off. It was like being told off by the teacher. So I had to go back and rewrite my blurbs. For Freebooksy, usually you get away with it. Well, I always have got away with it in the past, but this is the first time they've ticked me off. So I, I consider myself told off by Freebooksy, uh, and I did rewrite it. And the other thing that's just happened this week if you use Freebooksy is Freebooksy have just released a new console. So all your previous promos and, and the promos I've got, you can actually manage it all in a lovely um, console now. So before it was all done by email, you'd book it by email, they'd tell you when your promo was. Whereas now you can log into a FreeBooksy console, you can see all your previous promos and you can see the ones you've got um ready to go. So um it doesn't change anybody's life, but it does actually make it much more convenient and it shows that they mean business and that they're serious. I do like free FreeBooksy. Again, um, you know, you'll know that I call it the poor person's book bub, but it really is. It does very well, and I'm hoping that this um, new one, this book adrenaline is just as good. But I'll let you know, when we run the promos, I'll let you know what the results are and see how it goes. I need to give you some up doubts, up doubts, updates on Project Bloodhound uh, because that project is now in place. It's now in place apart from a great idea. I've just got, I've got months to come up with that but Don't worry, it'll come. Uh, it always does. Uh, so Project Bloodhound is now in place. I've got all the dates and so I can tell you what's going to happen. And I have to say that, um, actually, knowing now what the, the agenda is, knowing now how this is going to play out, it, it doesn't, it, it feels really odd to me because I've just written and published, written and published, written and published really fast. And actually, I'm going to be on a more traditional publishing kind of, um, time scale with this. So, here are the dates. I put the last piece in place. And by the way, I went to Crime and Publishment at the weekend, um, there's a local writer there. Mike Craven is doing brilliantly. A Cumbrian writer. Uh, we've got many local writers doing really well. Mike's uh, j- just announced that one of his books, uh, he's got, um, I think he's just sold the TV rights or something like that. But we've got a lot of great crime writers in our area. Mike, Mike is one of them. He lives in the same city as me. And um, Mike's wife um, does proofreading for Bloodhound books. And um, so I, I was really keen to get her for Project Bloodhound because I want, I want this to smell, look, and taste like a bloodhound book when it's done. So, who better to get, you know, to do to do the proof for house style for bloodhound than a bloodhound proofreader? I'm pulling out all the stops, so I tell you, it better be worthwhile. Um, <laughs> but I'm really serious about this. So, um, uh, I've I put everything in place, and um, Graham introduced me to Mike. Mike introduced me to his wife. Mike's wife, for the last week, has agreed to to do the proof on the book so that's fabulous so this is what project bloodhound now looks like i'm writing the first draft between april the 12th and july the 20th july the 20th is where the summer holidays begin i'm editing july the 21st to september the 2nd which is the summer holidays effectively uh, that suits me because um i've got um you know people at home from university people going to university everybody home i've got gcse's this year it's all going to be hickledy-pickledy in the house in terms of who's doing what and when. So I, I've i decided this summer not to write. I do find it quite hard to write when the family are at home. So I'm going to be editing this summer. And I, editing is fine because you can do a bit, leave it, do a bit, leave it. I don't have any trouble with that with editing. So I'm editing over the summer, giving myself six weeks to edit that book and get that as good as I possibly can for the 3rd of September That then goes to my Bloodhound development editor. So this is an editor who edits Rob Sinclair. Rob Sinclair's been on this podcast. He's one of Bloodhound's best-selling authors. So I've booked this editor in, this development editor in from the 3rd of September. She will have that book back by end of October at the latest, but it'll probably be about six weeks, you reckon. So it'll probably be mid-October. In between mid-October and the 3rd of December, I am going to be um, making her changes, her suggested changes to that book. And then uh, on the 2nd, 3rd of December, that book is going to go to Mike Craven's wife, Joe Craven, and Joe's going to do a a Bloodhound style proofread on that. And I've said to Joanne, um, because I know that December is not the best time to be delivering a manuscript, if it comes back in January, that's fine and uh, because it's not a good time for me to be submitting in December anyway so I will be I mean this feels ages away this is so I could have three books out and published in that time so hopefully that's a sign of how seriously I'm taking this and how much I want to to make this happen and um, so so really I'm going to be pitching that to Bloodhound January 2019 probably so that's going to go to to Bloodhound it feels really slow to me uh, but if that's what it takes that's what it takes. And, in, and, and while I'm doing that, you know, I, there's all sorts of projects I could be working on um, that will be chugging along like a sausage in a sausage machine. Um, you know, it, it'll I'll, I'll be progressing that through the I won't be working on it all the time, um, so I will have time for other projects. So I I need to focus on that time in marketing the 14 books that I have. Um, now I've got the configuration I want. So from May, everything is exactly where I wanted. I've got all the books that I want. I've got all the configurations I want. I'm then going to sort of list. Some wide, some Amazon exclusive. I'm going to get all the little permutations that I want. And then I'm going to come up with a rolling program of promos to try and get my earnings up for the 14 books that I've done. Um, and I, I, it depends how much time and how much rewriting this book will need. But provisionally, I could write another 90K book up to Christmas. I've got a, a sci-fi idea that's sort of burning away in my head at the moment. So I might write that first draft up to... Uh, December, if I've got the time. I, th- I think I might have, but we'll see how things go. Uh, but if not, I'll just focus on the edits on the Project Bloodhound book. Uh, but I do have a sort of 90k sci-fi idea. And again, because I've, I've gone so far with the sci-fi now, I'd like to try and find a Bloodhound book's equ- equivalent in sci-fi and maybe try and tout that book as a kind of, I don't really want it sort of trad in, in a, in a trad published way, not unless somebody loves it and offers me a very sweet deal for it. Um, But I want it to go to a kind of bloodhound, a kind of cool kid on the block in sci-fi who will do all the proper digital stuff that I I would want them to do. Um, I might try and do that with this sci-fi idea as well and put it through the same punishing kind of um, development edit process and really try and make it as as good as I can possibly make it uh, to give it as much chance as I can. Um, so there you go. That's that's Project Bloodhound. It's all in place now. All i got to do is write the blasted book and come up with a great idea. So I'll let you know how that goes and you'll hear all of that in this podcast diary. Uh, just a couple of other things to, to finish with. Um, a gentleman called Pete Blythe, who, who I don't know. Um, I, I know that there are, there are lots of podcast listeners who make themselves known to me, and I'm very grateful for that. It's always lovely to know who you are and how you listen, and, and if the podcast has been useful to you. Um, but Pete Blythe um, obviously listens to the podcast. Thank you very much, Pete. It's lovely to have you as a listener. But Pete wrote a blog post this week um, called The Seven Podcasts That Helped Me Most on My Author Journey. And I can't tell you how pleased I am to have been included in that list. So thank you, Pete, for the mention and for the retweet. I, I'm really just really pleased that it's been useful and helpful to you. Um, Pete gave the the feedback that everybody says about this podcast that, you know, I, I enjoy the podcast, but I particularly like the podcast diary. I get that every time. I don't think I've ever had feedback that wasn't that, that um, I, I like the interviews. You know, I, I listen to some, don't listen to others, but I always love the podcast diary. I always get that feedback on this podcast, which is which is fabulous. And Pete said exactly the same thing. So thank you, Pete, for that. I really appreciate you being a listener. I also really appreciate you, you know, sharing it um, with the rest of the world. And uh, it's been interesting actually, because I've been doing this two years in April. This podcast, and only now after two years, am I beginning to to pop up on people's um, favorite podcast lists. It's interesting how long it takes to kind of hit that zone. Where you've been around long enough for people to add you to my top ten or my my top podcast list. So there was somebody else added me to a list as well. I know I shared it in the diary. Uh, somebody else added me to a list the other day, and um, it, it's very nice. You know, because my podcast is it was I think one or two below Joanna Penn's, and it's it's fabulous to be included on on podcast lists. You know, where sometimes my podcast is above uh, more established writers, uh, but I'm I'm sort of shoulder to shoulder with people who I look up to and and respect in this industry as well and who I've been listening to for years so um, it's very nice and it all makes it feel like it's it's worthwhile and that we're hopefully spreading some goodness into the world Um, I'm away next week I'm in Scotland with my middle son and it only just occurred to me I was looking at my program thinking I haven't got a clue I'm going to put in this diary next week because I'm not doing anything (laughs) I'm going up to Scotland um, so I'm not quite sure what's going to be in this podcast diary next week. I'm sure I'll find something to talk about because I'm going to an area that my thriller burden of guilt is based on. Um, so I'm going to take lots of sort of author photographs and things like that. My poor old son is going to have to take some author photographs of me in the locations of my book. And I'd been to those locations in the past. We, when we went on, uh, when we got married, uh, years ago, we went up there on honeymoon and, uh, then, We took the kids when they were tiny. And so this is the first time I've been up that part of Scotland for quite a long time. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of memories up there, but also... um, the, the kind of places that we'll be going are places that feature in my book. So um, so I probably will have something to tell you about actually next week, but I'm not quite sure what it is yet. So wait and see, it'll be a surprise. Uh, but I'm on my holes in Scotland. I'm sort of making the most of the time with my middle son before he uh, disappears to go to university uh, in September and it's all change in the house. Um, next week on the podcast, my guest is Craig Lee Gordon. Craig is a science fiction writer from Whitney Bay in the United Kingdom. And Craig came to my attention because he took part in one of my Insta Freebie Giveaways, and he was the person who did best in the giveaway. He was number one. He and he brought in so many leads. It was like four thousand leads he brought into this giveaway, and it was nowhere near what i brought in or anybody else. He was just way ahead of everybody else. And I said, I've got to talk to you about this, Craig, on, on the podcast. Find out how you did that. And so um we did. We got it together, and he's going to be talking about um, a lot of techniques that he does that I haven't heard of before. This is why I love doing this podcast. You talk to people, you think, I've never even heard of that. So even this week in the diary, um, I was talking to you about um, John Cronshaw, who mentioned uh, what they call Book Barbarian. Never heard of them, all right? Fantastic, and I'm giving them a try. And uh, Craig, who um, is using Patreon, Reddit as well, to help to build a mailing list and doing very well at that as well. Never talked to an author who's doing that. And Craig's technique is fantastic. So that's coming up on episode number 107 of the self-publishing journeys podcast and that will be released on monday the 19th of march 2018 Um, i'm heading off for the highlands for a week hopefully there will be some form of podcast diary next week i'm sure i'll get some writing inspiration while i'm up there hopefully we'll have a penny drop moment for project bloodhound because it's very good to get away and just let your your mind mull over things and and get creative so hopefully I'll come up with a great idea next week but I'll let you know in next week's diary that'll be here for you next Saturday whatever happens in the meantime I hope you have a fantastic week of writing I'll speak to you soon bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days until then we hope you have a great week of writing